0: Well, hello, everyone. Today is July 7, 2023. And I'm really honored today to have Professor Ezekiel Hernandez, who is the Max and Bernice Garchick Family Presidential Associate Professor at the Wharton School. Here's our guest. He is one of the highest rated teachers at Wharton. And when I asked him if he would uh, agree to be interviewed for the podcast, and he said yes, he made my day. I'm just so excited about this. Now, Welcome, Ezekiel. Oh, thanks, Bob. I'm I'm honored to be here. And thank you. And what I was drawn to your work is that you, you a lot of your work is on how immigration patterns affect investment choices, strategy, and performance of firms in foreign markets. And you also spoke about the linkage, where you have re, re, uh, done research on the linkage between immigration and economic growth. Can you talk about that a little?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's start with the economic growth. Linkage, which I think will kind of frame the the rest of our conversation. Uh, I think we, you know, we all want our economy to grow. We all want our communities to be prosperous and and, and you know, have jobs and all of the positive uh, things surrounding that. And um, you know, if you think of it fairly generally, what is it that helps grow an economy? Uh, most economists would agree that there's essentially three ingredients that interact. The first one is um, investment or, or capital, capital investment. The second one would be, uh, you know, jobs and labor, people working and, and offering their labor. Uh, and the third one would be uh, innovation and knowledge that makes both capital and labor more productive. So the linkage between economic growth and immigration is really simple. It's that the evidence shows that immigrants contribute positively to each of those three components, meaning they, uh, increase the amount of investment in a community they create jobs um, and they bring a lot of innovative ideas and knowledge that make both investment and uh, workers more productive so that that's I'll stop there but that's how I would frame probably the rest of our conversation And you know there's a
0: lot of talk out there about the um, ramifications that immigrants have had on the economy and just before we started you and I spoke about how, One-third of all businesses are started by immigrants. Immigrants account for over one-third of all patents issued in the United States. And over 200 of the Fortune 500 companies were started by immigrants or children of immigrants. Yep. And what do you think in terms of... In terms of inno- innovation, can you talk about that and just what what do they really bring? Because to me for someone to leave their country and bring themselves and their families to a new country is a very bold and a very um, uh, scary move for many people.
1: Yeah absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of courage. And you know, some people move voluntarily and some don't. But to answer your question about innovation, yeah. So I'll just repeat the statistic that that you just mentioned. Um, uh, There's many ways that we can measure innovation. One of of them is uh, new technologies, which are often coded in patents. Uh, You know, the U.S., a lot of its innovation engine is driven by patented technologies. And there's a really neat paper that came out um, about a year ago showing that immigrants are responsible for 36% of all patents uh, produced in in the United States. Okay, now that's remarkable for a lot of reasons, but one of them is you have to keep in mind that immigrant inventors are only about sixteen percent of the inventive workforce in the U.S. So immigrants are punching way above that sixteen percent, way more than double uh, uh, what they represent in terms of inventors. Uh, that study shows uh, that thirty six percent we can break down as follows: twenty three percent of patents are patents in which immigrants are directly the inventors on record. So they're they're directly producing the new new technologies. Uh, And then the other um, 13%, the difference between 36 and 23% is an indirect effect by which they make native born inventors more inventive, which is really remarkable, right? Why? Because immigrants bring new ideas. They are trained differently. They think about problems differently. Uh, they've lived in both the sending and receiving country, and so those new ideas cross fertilize with the ideas of native inventors, and make those inventors, the native ones, uh, uh, more inventive, and 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 therefore file more patents. And so, I, what I really like about that that study is that it's it's telling us that it's not that immigrants just have this direct effect by which they're you know maybe really smart or or or. Um, uh, you know, are just inventing on their own, but that they're collaborating and, and have positive synergies with the native-born, um, which is, you know, exactly what you would want from newcomers.
0: Now, when, you're, when you look, at, and you said that the, the three items that you need for an economy to grow are capital for investment, jobs and labor, and innovation and knowledge. There's a lot of talk about immigrants taking jobs, from um, non-immigrants, yes. what well, can you speak about that?
1: Look, if I could dispel one misconception about immigrants, economy, and the economy, that that would be the one: the 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 fear that immigrants take jobs from natives. Uh, you know, to be clear, I I understand that that's a very legitimate question, and it's a, it's a very it's a normal fear or concern to have, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having it. What I do think is wrong is that there is really strong evidence to suggest that that fear is unfounded and we still perpetuate the myth despite evidence to the contrary um so uh just you know the 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 most famous studies um sort of addressing this question of do immigrants hurt natives in the in the labor market uh are studies that were done by a series of economists david carr george borjas and others on on something called the mario boat lift uh, listeners who are old enough might remember that in 1980, uh, Miami received a huge influx of Cuban, uh, Cuban refugees, Cuban asylees that Fidel Castro let go. And within two months, within May and between May and June of 1980, um, uh, the Miami labor market increased by 7%, over 100,000 Cuban men with little education landed in Miami. So if you ever wanted this like major shock uh, in which unskilled immigrants show up, right, and, and supposedly are competing for jobs with natives, that's it. And, you know, there's been a huge kerfuffle about that. and It's been studied and restudied and analyzed and reanalyzed. And I don't know that it's worth it here to go through all the blow by blow. But, you know, the, the consensus among the best studies is that that influx of Cubans into Miami had no effect on the wages of native workers. It It, it didn't it didn't lower the wages of native workers, um, and not only that, um, we've now had a lot of studies on similar events, like the Syrian refugee crisis in Turkey, or the, the you know the, the you know the over a million uh, Venezuelans fleeing to Colombia. You know, a lot. Think of these big events like that, and unanimous, you know, unanimously, consistently, research finds that even these major influxes of, of immigrants don't hurt native workers. And at first, that seems puzzling because you're like, wait, this is violating the law of supply and demand, right? You're increasing the supply of workers. Shouldn't wages go down? But the problem is that it's it's not just the supply of workers that's changing because, you know, what what is 100,000 Cubans arriving in Miami? It's also 100,000 new consumers, right, who need housing and entertainment and education. It's 100,000 people, some of whom might create businesses, some of whom might um, – you know, create jobs in other ways, and so there's a lot of things that change when it, when there's an influx of immigrants, which is why you end up not seeing, um, uh, you know, natives being hurt. In fact, the opposite, right? There's now a, a bigger economy; the the economic pie has grown because there's more people, and so there's different kinds of jobs. Uh, the other reason, uh, besides the fact that demand also increases, is uh, research has shown that. Uh, immigrant workers end up just wanting different jobs and and bringing different skills than native workers do. So instead of competing directly for the same job or the same position in a in, say, in a company or an industry, they're taking jobs that the natives don't want or or natives are shifting, say, into a job that requires more English skills, and the immigrant worker is doing jobs that require fewer English skills. And so there's all that accommodation that means that you don't get the negative effects um. But, you know, I'm being a little long winded here, but let me just say one more thing. Um, I think it's not just that the evidence says that immigrants don't take away jobs. The evidence actually shows that they positively create new jobs. right? And this is because
0: they're more consumers. They have more need, you know, needs in terms of consumer goods
1: yeah yeah and also that's right but you also have to think about other effects like for example uh through innovation uh you know one of the we talked about patents but another form of innovation is starting a new company right that is commercializing a new product and those new companies um hire new people right uh you mentioned the stat uh that uh, a, a quarter or more of all startups have an immigrant founder those startups are creating jobs um and we haven't talked about the investment part, uh, which I can talk about in a second, but through the investment that immigrants stimulate, new jobs are created. So so the, the point is this, there's no direct evidence that immigrants hurt, take away jobs or lower wages of natives, um, but there is evidence that they do create jobs. Um, and, and, you know, you might find the exceptional case where immigrants uh, might hurt a native in the labor market. But those tend to be cases where um, the the economy can't grow. I'll just give you one example. There's one good study. It's it's a credible study showing that when the Soviet Union fell, um, the U.S. gained a bunch of Soviet mathematicians who sort of moved to the U.S. And American math professors at universities lost some jobs to um, to those Soviet mathematicians. Why did that happen? Because it's not that all of a sudden more American students wanted to major in math. So demand for math didn't increase, but that's the exception, the kind of exception that proves the rule. In most cases, when immigrants come, demand is increasing too.
0: Well, our space program was the core of our space program began right after World War II, when the scientists from Penamunday came to Huntsville, Alabama and Werner Von Braun and several others were the nucleus of of scientists that started our space program on this. Now, you also mentioned that you want to get back to about capital and investment. Yeah, I think
1: that's really important. I would say that, you know, if we go back to where I started, right, the economy grows because of uh, labor, innovation and investment. Um, I would say that most listeners probably have heard something about, you know, how immigrants are, inventing or starting firms and most listeners have talked about you know how immigrants affect jobs but the great untold story about immigrants in the economy is how immigrants attract investment this is actually what most of my research has been on directly and uh what the evidence shows is that when when immigrants move into a community um they they attract investment from their home countries i'll give you a a a story that's not my story it's from a uh, from Andrew Seely, who's the president of the Migration Policy Institute, and he tells the story of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Uh, and Hazleton is, is a classic Rust Belt story, you know, a place that was prosperous and had factory jobs up until about the 80s, then the jobs disappeared, the place became economically depressed. And in, in around the year 2000, uh, um, Hazleton started receiving several immigrants from Mexico who had been in New York and were looking for a you know, place with the lower cost of living. And so Hazleton's population went from less than 5% uh, Hispanic to over 50% Hispanic within a decade, which is which is a massive, you know, massive demographic change. And that created a lot of, you know, the usual controversies and complaints uh, that are associated with immigration. But interestingly, about 15 years after these immigrants arrived, Hazleton now has four factories, you know, in Greater Hazleton Um, And all four of those factories were started by Mexican companies investing Mexican capital. Okay. Now, why would a Mexican company invest in Hazelton of all places? It's not a coincidence that uh, an influx of Mexicans preceded the inflow of Mexican capital. And so what I and others have documented in, in lots of different settings is that immigrants are like leading indicators of where capital investment flows. Firms from the immigrants' country invest there. They start factories, businesses, research centers, stores, and those investments create more jobs. Um, and uh, again, almost nobody links immigrants to investment. People link immigrants to jobs, but we all know that without investment jobs don't don't um, don't materialize and so you have to think of it as like this triangle between like immigrants investment and jobs. and when you connect those three into a triangle, you start to see how important uh, immigrants are to economic growth on the investment side, in addition to the jobs and the innovation.
0: That's neat. Now, Thomas Friedman and several others have written in the past how one of the United States secret weapons is that we continue to attract the best and the brightest from around the world. And in fact, I remember one column he wrote many years ago where he said, Immigrants coming to the United States are better than any resource that we could have in the ground, such as oil or any other um, fossil fuel or anything along those lines. Uh-huh. What do you think? Um, what in, in terms of what the uh, company country is looking for in terms of jobs or whatever, do you have any more information or any more indications about not taking away jobs? Because that seems to be the biggest fear about immigrants, that they're taking away jobs and in some cases pff, causing crime. Okay, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, so in terms of taking away jobs, I, I don't know how much more I can say about it other than like, it, it's just the evidence is not there. there. Of course, there are studies that show that in some cases it happens, but again, it's cases where immigrants aren't allowed to participate in the economy in any other way. Um, you also have to distinguish between low skill uh, and high skill immigrants. I don't love that term, but I'm using the term that most people use. Low skill refers to immigrants with, uh, not with don't have a college degree and high skill refers to those who have a college degree or higher. And so the evidence that I told you about, uh, is, is, um, you know, like the boat Boatlift and other evidence on immigrants, not, uh, taking away jobs is focused on low skilled, you know, uneducated immigrants. Um, uh, And they they don't. Uh, In fact, they allow Native workers to move into jobs that play to their strengths. But I didn't talk much about skilled immigrants, those with uh, with college degrees. Um, And there the evidence is um, uh, very strong that skilled immigrants create jobs and increase wages uh, because when they bring new skills... Uh, they create new categories of jobs, right? Think of, say, a doctor that introduces a new specialty or uh, an engineer who uh, uh, develops a new branch of AI research that requires really specialized jobs that pay a lot. And so what research shows is that for every skilled immigrant that a company hires, they hire more than one uh, uh, a, a Native, one more
0: than one American, Right. As coworkers, as support people, there's
1: as... yeah. So think about you know again, um, um, you know think about a company like uh, OpenAI, right? Their chief information officer, the, you know, the, the, essentially the person who developed the technology behind ChatGPT is a you know uh, uh, Russian-born, uh, Israeli-raised, Canadian-educated guy. Okay. Um, you know, he comes uh, and starts working on ChatGPT's core technology. Well, you don't just need him, right? You need other programmers uh, that complement what he's doing to, you know, build the code. And so that's going to create more than one job, most of which will be filled by native uh, native workers, native skilled workers. You're also going to need, uh, you know, an administrative assistant to help run the lab. You're going to need a janitor to clean after they're done working. And so kind of the multiplier effect of the unique skill that this one gentleman brings, uh uh that, that's sort of illustrative of what I'm talking about here, right? Um, and so when you add up the the non-damage of low-skill workers and the positive job creation of skilled workers, um, you, you get some really powerful job effects. Uh so yeah, I I, I just don't know how to say it any more clearly than that yeah, it's,
0: it's, and then you're just talking about on the um business side all these people need housing they need uh doctors they need cars and they need other sorts of purchases so it's it's a tremendous sort of Generator or, or engine for the economy.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you ask. Uh, I understand. Again, I understand the concerns. I, I I don't think they're irrational concerns. I think they're sometimes we talk about them irrationally, but the concerns themselves aren't irrational. But you know, you ask any mayor, any governor, you ask any local business person, right? Would they take more or fewer people in their community? <laughs> they're always going to say more, right? Because that means more buyers, more you know, more people with ideas, more consumers. you know, coming through, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I I don't know of anyone who in their right mind would say, I want fewer people in my community, at least speaking from an economic standpoint. I I understand that some people might say, well, I don't like someone who looks this way or talks this way. Those are, you know, we have a label for that. But, you know, I agree. That's not an economic argument. Um, I would say the other thing, and I I do want to emphasize this because it matters a lot, Uh, There are a lot of people who are um, otherwise skeptical about immigration who say, great, I'll take all those educated immigrants who have bachelors and masters and PhDs. I just don't want those that are uneducated. Um, But I would say that that's economically self-defeating because, you know, one, it's not only that they don't take jobs, is that they are filling essential jobs. Uh, Like absolutely essential jobs that Americans don't want to do, whether it's farm jobs, construction jobs, um, um, you know, all kinds of services. uh, You just would not have them. Uh, You know, I know so many businesses that they cannot find uh, Native workers to do the tasks that they do. They just they just cannot. And so then it's a choice between hiring immigrants or shutting down the business. And again, you ask anyone in the community. Would they rather have the factory down the street close or have it staffed 50 percent with with uh, immigrant uh, uh, workers and you know i think the answer is pretty obvious
0: well in today's world i don't think any of us could walk by a business more than two or three businesses without seeing a help wanted sign in their windows so that's especially
1: yeah with today's job shortages and you know there's been a lot of arguments about that in fact during the pandemic for a variety of reasons Um, The U.S. essentially lost over a million immigrants. Right. Uh, So if it had been on trend, it would have received over a million more immigrants than than we did during the pandemic. And some of it was because of legitimate inability to travel. But a lot of it was U.S. policy that um, sort of opportunistically was passed to restrict immigration for, you know, nativist reasons. And uh, I, you know, I think there's uh, a, a lot of voices suggesting that uh, some of the job shortages we're having right now are in part a, a result of the fact that we had you know, over a million missing workers in the economy.
0: Oh, you know, and you realize how it all comes back to this. I got to tell you, I, you're, the information that you're providing is fascinating. Um, it's, it's, um, it, it's a lot of food for thought for everyone. Um, Now, you also, um, and I like the term how you say that immigrants are leading indicators. I like that an awful lot. (laughs) And then, you know, I'm reminded about 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when Michael Bloomberg was mayor of New York, he said that if New York City didn't have immigrants, the economy would grind to a halt. And I assume that every other mayor in any other big city could probably say the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think w- when you talk to people who are close to the reality on the ground, um, it, it's a conclusion that that comes out of very a very practical realization. So it's not it's not a political conclusion, it's not an ideological conclusion. Uh for example, I've um in the last year spoken to a lot of um, um supervisors at factories and, and business owners. Um and uh, you know they're desperate for immigrant workers but again they're not they're not making a political statement it's just a conclusion that has come out of the reality of trying to run a business in a in an environment of labor shortages talent shortages and an environment where you often need a diverse workforce that has different ideas and backgrounds and they just you know they're desperate for for immigrant workers but you know they're not they're not giving me a party slogan it's just like it's it's the on the ground reality and you know, the other way to look at it is go through any episode in history, recent or distant, where um immigrants were kept out deliberately and the economic outcomes were disastrous. Um, I mean, I know this can this is going to be politically sensitive, but we're seeing it right now with um with the new Florida law that uh that Governor DeSantis signed. And uh, you know, every headline is about how local businesses are are furious because they can't run. Um, be, because, you know, so many immigrants are leaving the state. And so you have construction sites, hotels, uh, all kinds of businesses, farms that are stalled. And that's not, that's not, um, pardon me, that's not just hurting the immigrant workers, but it's hurting the native workers, right, who can't work without their immigrant colleagues, because say, there isn't a team that's able to get the job done. And, and I know that, I, you know, I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm I'm, I'm limiting myself to the observation that Florida's economy is suffering uh, because of a a policy that is divorced from the on the ground reality that any business owner would
0: tell you uh, is going on. Well, Zeke, this has been extremely enlightening and I really appreciate that. And you're coming out with a book in about 10 months, I guess. Can you just tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for giving me the chance to talk about it. Yeah. So the book is uh, is titled "The Truth About Immigration: Why Successful Societies Welcome Newcomers." It's going to come out in May of twenty twenty four, and it's going to cover uh, sort of everything you always wanted to know about immigration. Uh, all the economic issues we've talked about, but also all the social issues that we didn't talk about today. Things like Do immigrants assimilate to society? Do they commit crimes? What about undocumented immigrants? What about the border? So it's kind of a, uh, you know, the full case on immigration based on evidence and presented in a nonpartisan way, right? I'm not trying to convince you to vote for or against anyone. I'm just presenting the evidence and answering all the hot button questions that you had with data and evidence, but also with compelling stories, right? It's not just charts and figures. There's great stories there.
0: Well, I always feel like I learn something whenever I speak with you, and today is no exception, and I'd hope you will agree to come back again when your book comes out and you can tell us a little bit more about it.
1: I'd love to, Bob. Thanks. All
0: right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.